Hi, I'm Weird Al Yankovic, and you're listening to the Pantheon Network. The blues, an incredibly important part of American history and a genre that has become the foundation for practically every type of modern music ever made, including rock and roll, rhythm and blues, jazz, and even hip-hop. On today's episode of Prisoners of Rock and Roll, we're going to explore the more than 150-year history of the blues. We're going to visit the plantations and juke joints of the Deep South and follow African Americans as they moved out of the region and took the blues with them to places like Memphis, St. Louis, and Chicago, where it went electric and became the foundation for rock and roll. We're going to talk about the musicians behind the songs, sexually empowered women who sang raunchy lyrics a hundred years ago, a sharecropper who inspired the Rolling Stones, a mysterious singer named the Mass Marvel, a famous bluesman who was discovered while spending time in prison for murder, and a man who may have sold his soul to the devil in exchange for his guitar skills. This is by far the most ambitious episode we've ever tackled, so let's get rocking. Yeah. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode number 21. We're legal. Woo! Yeah. I am Bruce Buttermilk Kramer, and I'm joined tonight by Blind Ryan McCusker and Screaming Doug McCusker. Dan, 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 dan. <laughs> Are you rocking out there? Tonight, we got the blues. Oh, the blues. The blues run deep with me, I'll tell you that. The Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern in Philadelphia. We are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network. So, every week, man, I feel like I say, I don't know how we're going to cover this one. And now we're where like, where do you start? Let's, I mean, yeah, let's I, do. I, I said that at dinner tonight. I was like, oh, man, like, where do we even start with this? This has like, other than classical music, this probably has the longest history of any form of music. Oh, sure. It, right? Well, it's the original, right? Yeah, it precedes rock and roll and jazz and yeah, rhythm and blues. And it's the beginning of everything. I learned so much doing this episode. So I read two books. And I watched uh, like a two-hour documentary on the blues because I've always like I've known a little bit, but like a little bit to be dangerous, but not like I like that a little bit go, to be dangerous. Yeah, I didn't I like go that. like really deep on it, and I, I I really really enjoyed doing the research for this. I played in a blues band for a good ten years, so a lot of these songs that we're looking at are um, a lot of songs that I played in this band. That's so it was really cool. Really great to hear yeah, you, the standards of this. And you mentioned that a couple times, like as we were, you know, we put together the playlist during the week and we're sharing some ideas and a couple of songs you you mentioned playing in a band, stuff that I was like, I've never heard this. This is awesome. Oh yeah. We we were uh, a blues cover band called the Albina Red Band. And we did um a whole Delta first set, and then we got heavier as a second set with blues, and then we did a third set full of blues rock and roll i think the way we're going to tackle this is kind of like what you were just saying too like maybe we're going to do first we're going to talk about the delta blues and then we're going to talk about the electric style blues because we were kind of struggling too like how do you even tackle this because it is like i mean the roots of this go back to before the civil war sure so i guess maybe we just start man we start at the really really beginning and and I went into kind of like doing some research, like from a technical aspect. What is what is the blues? The blues is a way of life. It is right, and it was more than like you know. I was reading about like the music. I mean, you guys are both musicians, mm-hmm. and I was reading about like the technical structure of the song. But it, you're right; it is like it's a feeling. It's a cultural thing. It's, it's something you can't teach. 
it's something. Yeah, it's got to be a part of it, you. Yeah. You, know, you had to have like tragedy in your life to sing the blues. I, and you know, you know, but like I read one of the interviews I listened to, it was a musician saying that like it's not what's in the music, it's what's not in the music. That's what you have to yeah. listen to. It's you not like what you're saying, it's how you're saying it. Yeah. You know? Or it's like the notes that aren't being played. Yeah. You put your own story in there. Yeah. I mean, maybe we go like, we take a real a quick step back. I mean, like the evolution of all this comes out of like, like slave plantation or even before yeah. that, it's like, sure. like the boats coming over from Africa, like yeah. the African spirituals or the, um, and I guess in the fields too, like that, that call and response of, you know, like. Well, they said the blues came from absolutely the spiritual songs in the field. Um, they would sing hymns in this field, and they would sing like secret codes in the fields. Yeah. They would sing like, oh, here comes the boss man. You know? Yeah. And it, and it all became this one kind of music. And African-Americans at that time, they can't write, right? They're, they're, they're not allowed to be yeah, they're literate. Not educated. Right, they're, yeah. right, yeah. right. And... So song becomes the way that like your history is passed down sure. and your culture and yeah. how you communicate. You said like the massa is walking around and if you're saying something about how terrible life is, yeah. you're going to get whooped or killed or yeah. whatever. Even if you're just like slacking off or you're just, you know, it, it's just they had such an awful way of life. You know, and that's what it was. It was a way of life for them passed on from generation to generation. Like Ryan was saying, like there was code in there. And that's absolutely true. Like they were talking about, like, especially with the underground. Uh, I'm sorry. What the, the railroad? The, the underground, underground railroad. railroad. And like they would tell like, oh, make the, the corner of this tree go like three miles in so many words in their in this song. You know, so it would just pass on from song to song to song. That's how they got information out. And it was know? interesting because I guess that that call and response, and you hear it a lot in like church, yeah. right? It's a you know like yeah. preach on, brother. You know, like I'm going That's to the church, blues. the promised yeah. land, right? It, that is part of it, and that as that evolved, I mean, you listen to like a a lot of blues songs. You know, they repeat the first couple lines like over and over and over again because it's that is morphed into that this. The, the blues also has like a sense of humor. Um, mm. There's like. You know, like my own little line. Sure. You know, come up, it's like, oh, my baby wants a new pair of shoes, but don't you know my credit card bill is due? <laughs> you know, it, like, it it, ha it has a, its own humor to it. It has its own everything. And it's also, like, a lot of sexuality or anything like that. Like, I was talking to somebody, and they said, oh, my favorite blues, like, line ever in a song is, like, baby, I just want to be the panties that hang on your waist. Well, like, Who you don't know? want that? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, in, in the history that I was reading, they were talking about the song Shake, Rattle, and Roll. Sure. As, like, was originally a blues song, and then it got, was a cover by Bill Haley, and they were like, what do you think when he says, I'm a one-eyed cat in a creeping in a seafood store? Like, holy moly. Right, 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 like, how, you don't have to, you know, you could be a teenager and get that. And I was like, I've heard that song a million times, you and I've never been like, oh my god, that's like, he's talking about a, a penis, yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh my that god. That was probably over so many people's heads. Like, you know, right. I mean, like It was way over my head when it was playing in Happy Days. <laughs> right, right. And you're right, the, the music is full of any of that. I guess it, it really is like a music about, like, it's going against the norms, whether yeah. it's sexual or uh, the the oppressive thing that people in the deep that well that african-americans in the deep south dealt with you know whether it was slave times or sharecropping or any any of that it's such a important part of 
just American life. And it was like, like I, when I said, I know a little bit about the blues to be dangerous, it's, I learned more about it, like in college mm-hmm. studying it than I did like being a music fan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a really, really interesting part of music in America. I think, you know, to, to really understand blues is to see where it came from is to go down to Memphis and to see the back streets of Memphis Doug and I were down in Memphis, and it just the first day happened to be the anniversary of Martin Luther King's assassination. It was. It was we were like, on the oh, plane. Wow. We were on yeah. the plane, and Doug's like, "Holy shit! Today's the day of." So we're like, we we land, we hightail it down there. So we spent some time down there, and it was really amazing. So now we're walking back, and you see shotgun shacks you ever see a shotgun shack yeah yeah they're still out there if, yeah you know people don't know what a shotgun shack is uh you could shoot a shotgun and go through Throw the front it. door and go right through the back door and i don't think you really know what the blues is until you've seen a sh- like a, a, a sh- you know shotgun shack you know or in the back roads we were like walking down and I, we could see the city we knew where we were and this, this black gentleman was like what are you boys doing Oh, we're just you know we see the museum and like that. He's like, you know, you know where you're at, right? I'm like, yeah, we know what's up. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, he's like, I like we. I'm like, we're from we're from Philadelphia, man. I'm like, we're okay. He's like, oh, you boys, can I get five dollars? <laughs> I think I gave him like ten as I beat it. But yeah. you know what? Though, what's interesting, you know, being down in like Tennessee, you're surrounded by country music, you know, and I. I spend enough town a time down in the south and it's all country music when you get the memphis man it's a completely different animal yeah. like it is a comp- completely different feel and and the the origin of country is i mean there's stuff in the books that i read that was calling it the hillbilly blues you yeah, know yeah. And it's, yeah. it's almost like as we're doing this we got to put guardrails up because everything i read i mean it spills into like jazz and swing and boogie woogie and mm, country this way. is yeah. before all of it it goes every but like yeah one of the things I said that like, or maybe wait a minute, Keith Richards said it, or you know what? It was in this book I read that I have, and it was a great quote, and I meant to... What's the name of the book? Yeah, so I read this book called The Visual History of the Blues, A Hundred Years of Music to Change the World, and I have it on my on the desk here as we're talking, and it was like a really cool, it was a really cool quote. It was uh, Willie Dixon said, the blues are the roots and the, all other music that came after it are the fruits. Amen. Yeah, right. Now, just like everything. Everything. Absolutely. Keith Richards said, like, the blues are like the, they're the stone tablets that came down. Like, that's what everything was written. Yeah, absolutely. Because he was around when the the tablets were (laughs) (laughs) written. I think maybe where we start this, so we talked a little bit about, like, slave times and everything, but it seems like, like the modern era blues is, like, the 1900. Totally. Like, you, like, I think, you know, the earliest recordings that we can refer to is, like, late 30s. Yeah, so it's you like know. maybe we'll kind of start around that period, like a little bit before the Depression, but we're going to – we acknowledge that it, the roots of it go way back before the Civil War. The first thing that I found in the blues, and you guys, if you've seen something different, was this guy named W.C. Handy. Mm-hmm. They said in like 1903, he was taking a train across Mississippi, and he had a really long time. Like in between waiting for the train, he fell asleep on a bench. And when he woke up, he said there was this older black guy playing a guitar in the train station. And he was holding a knife on the neck of the guitar and sliding it up and down. And he was like, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. What is that? And this guy was like, I'm playing the blues. 
And this guy, W.C. Handy, eventually wound up writing sheet music for a blues song that he heard. Because there was no CDs. There's no cassettes. Yeah. Like, yeah. So if you want to record something or share it, you couldn't record it. So if you wanted to share it, you had to write the sheet music and hand it out. Yeah. And this guy wrote the music down for something called Memphis Blues. And they said that was the first, like, recorded or distributed right. uh, music. So wow. the guy were using the, uh, the, the knife. So he's basically using it as a slide. Yeah, yeah, and and that is a, and that's such a weird sound to begin yeah. with. You know, it was that metal on metal string? Yeah, or and, glass. Yeah, you know, right. Well, I, yeah, you, you always see like bottles and know, things like yeah. that. They you would know. use a chicken bone even to like you know they would shave down the chicken bone to get really like, t- like fine, fine. Yeah. You know, it is it is a sound. I mean, you can you you can distinctly hear it going up and down against the strings. It it yeah. makes that sound. Mm-hmm. I would think a knife sounds way different than a bottle yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It definitely has a more of a sharper sound. Yeah. And the, especially like back then, like what are the strings actually made of back then? I think you a, know I think a lot of those instruments are all one of a kind. Like they're handmade. Sure. One of a kind. Like they have like maybe one bridge is a little bit off than the other bridge, or each guitar has its own sound. Obviously, yeah, obviously. even even now, well, you know, you, you know, that's something. I'm glad you brought that up because you know you're talking about these guys who are playing the music and like, can they afford to go out and buy a guitar? Absolutely not. So that's seriously like box guitars. Like yeah. you know, they're like really the cigar like box. cigar box guitars. Yeah. Like you know, so I, I guess that's where it originates from. And um, I guess that's like like you know we'll get later about it. But like Bo Diddley, he totally adopted, and that's his the box guitar. the box guitar yeah. man. Well, you even know? on the plantations, what they would do, they would make their own guitars. What they would do is on the side of the house, they would put screws up and then get some kind of fishing line or some kind of wire and get it really tight and put a can in there as a bridge. Sure, and go vroom, 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 yeah, kind of like the evolution of like the the hillbilly like the jug band exactly right? playing the washboard. Yeah. And I one of the books I read said that there was an instrument called a diddly bow. That's I'm funny. like, is that where bow? Uh, absolutely, I, I, course, I don't know. Right. I don't know. But right. Yeah, I was like, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I was like, okay, well, that's where it came from. Yeah. That's where Bo Diddley got his got his name. But that's even like with the bass too. They had like the wash the uh, what do you the call tub the tub whatever, and then the, the, the broomstick and the string and like how Ryan said they would like get the like just by bending it like up and down you would get different like pitches out they of would the like sound. take the can or whatever they would use as a bridge and move it up and down yeah. the string and get different tones you know it, kids would do it on the side of their houses and you know doing his doing uh, a little research about it you hear a lot of these guys started that way but that's even like you know not getting off the subject but they there was a documentary a few years ago called might get loud is jack jack white the edge and Jimmy Page. So the beginning of the film or documentary starts with Jack White out on his porch, hammer, nails, piece of wood, Coca-Cola bottle, and a string. And he had like a pickup. And he made this electric one-string guitar. And it was like a slide guitar. And he's like, who says you have to buy a guitar to play? You it's know? really cool. I mean, I guess yeah. even the the original or the the earliest forms of this, there weren't even there wasn't even instruments behind it. And no, then it kind of became all- like a, a guitar or the stuff we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then maybe an acoustic guitar with who knows how many strings. And mm-hmm. then it, everything kind of builds on it as it evolves. Well, you know what you see with guys like these blues players, they like, 
not all of them always played six strings. No, like, there was there a like, lot of twelve strings. Yes, yeah, yeah, but twelve strings, but even less. Like you oh, see yeah. guys with like three strings. Yeah. And there you were know people I mean? that had six strings, but they had three fingers. Well, they lost okay. a couple of them in like a plantation accident. Exactly, and that's going back to like Keith Richards. Man, he only plays with five strings, dude. He doesn't play with six strings. So that that's a blues thing that he adopted that became a part of his sound. And maybe as we're, and so I guess we're talking about kind of like the Delta blues era. And one thing that I found fascinating to me is like the, all of these people we're going to talk about, they weren't famous for the entire time. Like they didn't hit it big and then they just have always been around. Like they, mm-hmm. they were recording. Maybe they were big in the tw- 1920s and 1930s. And then they were like almost completely forgotten by history. And then it was like in the 60s when like the folk music starts Mm -hmm. that people started looking back at all of these musicians and then they started becoming famous again. Like we're going to talk about Robert Johnson a little later, but he comes like he really kind of becomes like a cultural thing in like the 60s. Yeah. Like with the folk music. Yeah. He became like this legend. Yeah. It was like like a folk tale. It was like. I don't know how to say it. It really was like white people decided that they really liked this music. It was like a throwback and it was almost like you're digging up like a time capsule of all these other musicians that were largely forgotten for 20, 30 years. I think, uh, you know, a lot of these original recordings, these scouts or whatever, they would go out and look for these guys playing blues on the street. You know, they would find these guys and record them. Now, does that go like to the thing when the Library of Congress went out and start went down south and started recording a lot of blues music? Yeah, yeah. you want to talk about? Let's talk about. Yeah, this. let's talk about Alan Lomax, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan Lomax. He was uh, a gentleman that got a grant from the state from the country to go record whatever he wanted. It was his dad too. His dad John okay. and Alan. They would document all kinds of different music. Um, a lot of spiritual songs, a lot of, you know, early country songs. But what he really did was he discovered huge talent like Muddy Waters and Lead Belly. Yeah. And it was, and he had a recording thing in the trunk of his car. I was just going to ask, is, is that, that true? In the 1930s. Yeah. yeah. yeah like you know, and they a said, portable recording studio. How amazing is that? You think I, I, I was going to ask you that if that was true because I've, yeah. I've heard of that before and I've seen it. And um, like in movies or whatever, I just know it was fiction. But dude, imagine that. I mean, you know, think of it back then. I'm looking at our little machine here that we're recording on, and it's not even it's as big as a cell phone, you know. And now Mr. Lomax had to go out there in his car, probably fit in his whole trunk, and just roll it out in front of whoever and just record for the, you know. It's a genius. And you think, you know? I mean, if you're in the deep South, you know, the the really deep. Mississippi's incredibly poor and some dude rolls up and goes, Hey man, I want you to sing into the trunk of my car and it can play it back to you. You gotta be like, like it was like future man. Right. Yeah, because you gotta be like, able to not yeah, understand people, that. A lot of people still didn't have electricity down there. Do you know we I mean? have anything example of the Lomax recordings? I, I do. And I'm going to pull up something that, uh, um, yeah. Now these recordings are from the early thirties. So here, this, to me, sounded like, yeah, this is a, a song called Early in the Morning that was like, I think this is a prison song. Let me play a little bit of it. Well, 
So that, that's literally a prison, um, a, a prison gang. It was recorded at the Mississippi and Louisiana State Penitentiary. That was the kind of stuff that this guy was recording. Yeah, that went, was the real blues. Those yeah, guys are that, never yeah. getting out. Yeah, it's such a, like I, I got this. I never heard that before. I got this visual. It had like this in my, chain in gang. my head. Yeah, you can see, you can see it. You when, know, we were talking about like the really early influence people working in the field. Yeah, and, you know. I, we're using a prison camp as an example, but I was like, that was what I what I thought of when I heard this. I was like, man, this is this is really interesting stuff. And this guy went to like he went to churches and prisons and plantations and lumber mills, and just started saying, hey, can I record all this stuff? And he captured all these. And we're going to run through a whole list of all these musicians, and he kind of like recorded all of them. And it was great that the country backed them up on it. Like they wanted to document the times. And that's amazing that they recognized. They it. gave him a grant. That's amazing, you especially know? that back then. And, you they, know? and the Lomax family recorded all through history. Like they, I, I'm sure they're still recording. The family records whatever. Yeah, and there's you hear a lot when you read something about the blues. They call them like the blues hunters. Like they're going out into these rural areas and looking yeah, for been, all of yeah. this stuff that was either recorded and forgotten about or nobody ever recorded. So would you say that they, in technical terms, they discovered the blues, even though it was already, like, it was a thing, but they discovered I, it. They and recorded made, it. They, that, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, they, they, made, made, it, they made it accessible, accessible to, to people. people. Yeah. yeah. But look how long it took probably to catch on. Sure. You know, they probably recorded that. And then, you know, all these blues guys start coming out like five years after that, 10 years after, after this, being like, I can make a living singing the blues. Because it, it, it had to explode because it's getting um, an audience that I would never have before, meaning white America, you know. And um, I guess they, they saw that they could actually make a living out of this. Yeah, the blues are interesting in that I think it was really popular like the records became popular until like the depression started. Yeah. And then the record industry just kind of falls apart and nobody listens to the blues anymore. And the blues kind of also starts with like a lot of like vaudeville kind of stuff. Yeah. And then black people also start leaving the deep South for like, a it was like 9 million. Right. Yeah. And most of the trains in the South all went to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. And then, so you have a lot of people moving to Chicago and then Became that's the where Chicago it, blues. That's where it evolves. Cause they, they wanted to get the hell out of the terribly racist Jim Crow South. And get come to Chicago and exploit it and not make any money. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, but I, may, I guess, you know, before we get into Chicago, we should talk about some of these amazing musicians that, that Alan Lomax either discovered or were, came out of the Delta of Mississippi. I think we got to start with Lead Belly. Let's do it, man. Yeah, yeah so let's, let's play some Lead Belly. There's a song called Where Did You Sleep Last Night by Lead Belly. Come on, In the pond, in the pond. While the sun don't ever shine, I was shivering all night through. My girl, my girl, where will you go? I'm gone where the cold wind blows. You know, that song was made very popular by Nirvana Unplugged. And I don't think anybody could give it justice more than Kurt did. I agree. Man, it's the first thing nice you ever said about Kurt Cobain, dude, <laughs> no, honestly. Kurt, but no, I agree. He, 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 he nailed it. it. He, he nailed it. it. You know, it's really funny. Um, with that unplugged, he tells a story before he starts playing that. And he asks his, his, you know, his boss is the record executive, the owner of the record company. Hey, can I borrow like, like $80,000 to buy Lead Belly's guitar? 
and like how get out of here he tells a story and then you know as time tells you know uh kirk cobain's guitar he played that unplugged when that unplugged with sold for went for auction for like two million dollars wow it's you amazing know? i mean uh Lead Belly wasn't a good dude at all. No. He might be the scumbag, the shitbag of the week. Yeah. So when, when Alan Lomax discovers him, he's in jail for murder. Yeah. yeah. He's, oh, yeah. Yeah. He was in and out of prison. Wasn't, wasn't he a wasn't very a nice good guy. dude at all, man. Even like later on life, you know, he was always in and out of jail. You know, he, he just couldn't keep his shit together. I mean, you, you are a blues man. You got to live that 24 7, I guess. But do you think that he looked at himself as a musician, or this is just what he did? Oh no, he he was all about himself. Yeah, he yeah he he knew what he was the original of, absolutely. And I guess when when Lomax discovers him, he gets out of prison and he decides he needs he wants to get on the straight and narrow. So he like Lomax actually gave him a job to like drive him as he goes around looking at you know to to search for all these other musicians. So he almost becomes kind of like the ambassador of these. The, the low of these white people driving mm. through the really yeah. deep south. No, he's out there, you know, yeah. discovering these show- talent. Yeah. He's like yeah. Sam yeah. Phillips. Yeah. And a lot of these guys, like, we don't know a lot of the details about them. We don't know when they were when they were born, when they died. No, it's yeah, all the record. Yeah. It's all legend. Right. Like even the name Lead Belly is some people say he got it when he was in prison. Some people say it was a playoff of his real name. One person said that he was shot. I was gonna yeah. with a shotgun. Yeah, Some no, people yeah. said he could drink so much moonshine that his stomach must have been out of lead. I mean, his last name, his real name was Huddy Leadbetter. So some people said maybe they just mispronounced. And we don't know; mm, it's just lost yeah. to history. Hey, man, that's the thing about blues and music the uh, the um don't the, the story the get legend, away. Yeah. The legends the, yeah. fill the gaps. Yeah, and we're gonna get to some really cool ones yeah, in absolutely. a little bit. But I would think Lead Belly is the original guy. I think after Lead Belly would definitely be Charlie Parker. Charlie Patton? Charlie Patton. I'm sorry. Charlie Patton was, was really cool. And that's a guy I don't know anything about, but I saw articles from the New York Times and Rolling Stone that called him one of the most important musicians of the 20th century. Really? And I was like, I, yeah. I don't know anything Neither about this I. dude. Oh, yeah. I heard about the guy. Let's play some of his songs. All right, yeah. Here's a song called I'm, Co- I'm Going Home by Charlie Patton. Out of all the stuff, man, that we were talking about in this show, I really, really enjoyed discovering this guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. Charlie Patton. He was really above the curve. Yeah, yeah. the recording. I love. Yeah, you know, the scratch. Yeah, it's the first time I heard it. Heard that. You know, and people like we don't know when he was born. They said he was probably born in 1887. There's only one photo of him that exists, and as we we're just playing, as I said, it it almost looks like that famous mugshot of Sinatra, like his facial features, but the. The color of his skin, it's weird yeah, to tell, was, like, is he white? Is He, he was like, they said that he was kind of like mocha. Yeah, he, they said know? he was like, he was part black, he was part white, he was part Cherokee. His parents were white, but the rumor, there was always a rumor that his mom had an affair with a, 
with a former slave, mm-hmm. and he was part black, but he has very white features. It's, sure. it's and it's really really interesting. And he was the dude in the monologue that I said the masked Marvel. So like um, his record label actually put out a song under the under the artist just called the masked Marvel, and it had a little card in it and said if you can guess who this is. Oh really. I don't know why anybody would know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but if you could guess who it was, and um, they would let you have any album that they've ever put out in their catalog for mm. free. And it was like, that's kind of cool, like the 1920s, 1930s. Sure. It's like, oh, it's Marvel. a perfect contest, a question that nobody knows. knows. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> but he also, the influence that this guy has on everybody else, they said when he would play the guitar, he would actually put it behind his I heard that and he behind was, his yeah. back. I heard he was a very big show off yeah like he had this huge ego you know he would well, play like, under his legs he'd play behind his back you know he 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 would just be basically a rock star but that's the that was like the blues it's a showmanship you you have to show up the next guy you know the guy you know and somebody this, else and the dude like toured ever he went and played everywhere and he's like juke joints in the deep south so like the people that saw him were like helen wolf we'll probably talk about a little bit later. Like he kind of learned how to play guitar watching this guy. He would go to his Mm -hmm. house at night and listen to him play guitar or Robert Johnson called him like a huge influence. Uh, John Lee Hooker called him a huge influence. It's just, it's amazing. And it was like, I mean, I have a show about music and I was like, I had never heard of this guy before. Mm -hmm. Really, really enjoyed it. And he, um, he's in the rock and roll hall of fame is an early influencer. And also a lot of these early blues musicians, they're buried in unmarked graves. Yeah. And this dude was in an unmarked grave until John Fogarty nice. paid for a tombstone in 1990. Oh, wow. Very so. nice. Well, you know, this is a come down to, like, it's kind of like an artist. You know, you get famous after you pass away. Yeah. You know. And I guess. Or recognized. I mean, or, those guys have been dead for so long. Yeah. I mean, they, the only thing they can is get recognized. Like, we are doing, we're talking about them on our show. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we got to give these guys justice. We got to give these guys the... The credit that they deserve, they started everything. Every kind of music started from the blues. Yeah. And that's, I never heard that before. John Fogarty did that. That's really solid. There's, there's a couple yeah. people in this story where other musicians paid for their grip, sure. um, paid for their tombstones. It was, yeah. it was interesting. Um, maybe before we get to Robert Johnson and talk a little bit about, uh, another guy, Blind Lemon Jefferson. Sure. One the, the first note I had on here was I thought it, Lemon was his actual first name, <laughs> and he was blind. He's another dude. Like we don't know when he was born. There's only one photo of him that ever that exists, and I guess he kind of got started because some of these record labels, like when the blues started getting big, record labels would go like put articles out and be like hey if anybody knows anybody who's really good musician let us know we'll come Mm. record them and some dude that worked in a in a music store uh like a record store in dallas wrote in was like hey man this guy plays out on the by the train tracks down (laughs) by my store and he's really good i bet you if you recorded it i could sell a lot of music and that was this guy and they recorded him and the record label was like this sucks really but it was huge he was like he was really really popular for that era can we hear one of the songs yeah this song called black snake moan i'll put it on the playlist
told me late last night, you don't need no mama no how. It's like almost that his voice is the major part yeah. of the song and the guitar is just accompanying him. That's a pretty heavy song. You know, you listen to him, he's like, I, you know, I don't need no, you know, I don't have no mama now. It sounds like he's kind of like crying out. And from what I get from that, that song, it sounds like, you know, you're a man now. Like, you know, you don't need your mom anymore. Like, the, go out to the world. The thing that blows my mind is, like you said, he was down at the train tracks playing songs. Who would have known in the future that he's such an influence guy? Like, And he was blind, but yeah. we don't yeah. know when he went blind. Yeah. Like, was he blinded for his whole life? Was he, did it happen Story. later? That's but crazy. How, did, how did he learn how to play guitar like that with no, without even looking? I guess you feel the strings, you know, you yeah. feel it. But to be have like such a handicap and have such an original way to play guitar he played very clean yeah those notes that he was playing were pretty clean and they said that he didn't have any talent when they you know the record the record label just said like this isn't this isn't a hit i mean his music's been covered by everything from like dylan bb king the grateful dead there's um he has a song called see that my grave is kept clean that fish has covered a couple times oh yeah 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 um and he's another dude. Like he died, and a lot of these people die really young. Too. Oh, back well, then, yeah. I mean, yeah. he was he was thirty eight. Well, first of all, he was so successful that he actually he was able to afford a car and a chauffeur because oh, well. he could able to buy a car, but he's blind. Yeah, um, which has got to be amazing for an African American. I don't know how many well, people own vehicles poverty, when you're yeah. right in nineteen thirty in in Texas. Yeah, you're pull that car up somewhere, and somebody go like, "Where do you want to be?" Yeah, like, right. How'd you get that car, man? You yeah. Know, like, and, and even the circumstances under which he died, some people say that he was poisoned. One person said he, or a rumor was that he was attacked by a dog and he had a heart attack. One person said somebody tried to rob him and he had a heart attack. So we just, we don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think all these blues guys die of like some kind of tragedy or some kind of, you know, just different kind of death. And it adds to like the, the, gothic legend and of, it's beautiful of it all it's beautiful in its own way you know because it's like life imitates art you I know do, they think, all have hard lives you know? i think that's what makes the blues so special absolutely because you know? yeah. it's so mysterious yeah, yeah absolutely it's so old and mysterious and he was buried he's another guy like we don't really know where he was buried they kind of know like he was in an unmarked grave until the late 60s and they put a stone like in the general area where they yeah. think he is. But it was a dude that was like kind of successful in that part of the country, but maybe just, oh, black guy died in the South. Who cares? Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah. Especially I, I'm sure that's then. part yeah. of it. They're all like a dime a dozen of them. Yeah. You, you know, like I said, all these years later, here we are talking about them on our show. Yeah. I, uh, that's I mean, what I dig about this show that we talk about things yeah. like this. I mean, in the, the undercurrent, of racism that comes in going through oh, all sure. this stuff. I mean, the, the book I mentioned has some ads from like early, uh, uh record label. I mean, it's, uh, they were racist. It's oh. Every stereotype. They were showing, we were like, looking at the book earlier. And yeah. These had some god awful things in it. But well, like, you know, you said like the guy, you know, he had a car, he had a drive or anything like that. You know, he died and nobody had a marker. Yeah. Cause everybody took his friggin' money, man. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, all right, well, you know, he just got robbed. 
and like if he died, everybody took his money, and okay, that's the end of him. Yeah, you know, and that and that's that was the world then. Yeah, he may know? not have even had any money. He probably spent. But it that's all. what I mean. He probably know? spent it all on on, yeah. on a good life. That's probably you're probably right. You're actually you probably you are right. You well, know? What I thought was interesting, I mentioned like the record label to say, and does anybody know anybody? Like, and it it seems somewhat exploitive to but me but that's how new it was but that, that's that's kind of like the, you know the, the british invasion man or even grunge oh we're yeah. gonna sign everybody like this sound is like making people's yeah. attention you know it, this is the next big thing and record labels and at the time were i mean they they certainly weren't integrated mm-hmm. things so almost every record label started they were called like their race division they said the term like uh, we're gonna make a race artist yeah. Raced yeah. artists. So that was like kind of the equivalency of saying the word like black now. It wasn't yeah, a, it sure. wasn't as offensive. But yeah. they said like even Billboard had a race records chart until like nineteen forty nine. Wow. And yeah. then and then it became the rhythm and blues chart. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But this stuff got so big. It, like in one year, it was like the late twenties. Like five hundred of these albums came out in a year. Was, so the record labels were just going for everything. Sure. Wow. They sold money in it. Yeah. You know? They were just ripping these guys off. Oh, they left they were right. like giving them twenty bucks, and then making you know a shitload of money on top of it. And they probably the got writing credits too, man. They probably put their name on the on the on the for the writing credits on the forty five or whatever yeah. how they sold it. You know that was business back then. You know, one other interesting dude that I, I didn't do a lot of research into was this guy called H C Spears, and he came up on a documentary I I was listening to, and yeah. it was a the documentary was like narrated by Lawrence Fishburne. And like Keith Richards was in it, Chuck D was in it. It was really cool. Yeah, I saw it. Did you? And yep. he and he was talking about this guy. Like he ran like a little like an ice cream shop kind of thing in like the deep south. But he discovered a lot of these musicians, and they made the analogy that he was to rock and roll is what Sam Phillips was, or he was to the blues to what Sam Phillips was to rock and roll. Right on. But the interesting part is. This guy walks into his store and says, hey, man, I'm a musician. I want to audition for you. Mm-hmm. And that was Robert Johnson. Oh, wow. Wow, Robert Johnson. I think he's one of the most influential, influential, not just blues, but like all guitar music. Yeah, he's like the biggest, one of the biggest names out there. And he has such know. a legend behind him. And, and that's what and I think, you know, that's that's half of it for him. Like that legend about him. Robert Johnson has a story about. We'll talk a little bit about being at the crossroads, selling his soul to the devil. Now, this song is called... The Preaching Blues? Up Jump the Devil? Yeah. This song is called Up Jump the Devil. Now, we're going to listen to this song. He changes his voice into an evil voice. And he's, he's imitating the devil. Let's listen to a little right. bit of this song. Let's do it. Totally dig the recording of that. Yeah. So you have to visualize Robert Johnson, the way that he played guitar. It was so busy action up and down the fretboard, all across the, all across the strings. He would record 
in a corner of a room. So nobody could see what he's doing. No, it was more of he would sound more of more than just one guy. Oh, it, so the acoustics bounce the off the wall, off come of back out. We could yeah. sound more than one guitar. He's a genius. That's he why was he could, a genius. And just his style of playing, like that's like, dude, he he like, was nobody played like him. He back invented then. a way to play. Now, yeah. the story. Let's get into the story of Robert Johnson. I don't really know when Robert Johnson was born, um, but at a young age, Robert Johnson would go to the juke joints, would go to the chitlins, and really get into these guys playing the guitar. You know, um, why they these musicians would take break, he would get up on the stage and mess around with the guitar. He was so bad, everybody would be like, Get off the stage, boy. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. You're making it sound awful. You know, in the guy's instruments, they were. Hey, boy, get the hell out of here. You don't know what the hell you're doing. So, you know, he really took that to heart. He, um, again, he, he keeps on practicing. He's not together. So he disappears for about six, seven, eight months. And he comes back and he's this virtuoso guitar player, like everything we just heard. Mm. Now, Nobody gets that good overnight. You he know, probably locked himself in a room. Yeah, but you know, but I like the story better. The story is, you know, he got so good overnight because he sold him, he sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads. Um, he he asked the devil to make him play the guitar even better, and the devil uh, gave him that power. You know, at the crossroads, the uh, the devil picked up the guitar, he tuned it. Played a few strings and then gave handed it, it back, handed to, back him. to him and start playing some more. Yeah, what's the legend like? If you go to the crossroads in the Delta, yeah, it late at like at midnight and he'll walk up behind you and you hold the guitar over your shoulder and he'll take it. And we're gonna fucking back. do that. No, I'm, I'm doing, <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing that. But like you know, earlier this week when uh, we were like telling everybody this is the show that we're doing, you posted a picture of the crossroads. I I'm amazed that we've never been there, right? Like I'm we'll get pr- there. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. But it's just like an amazing picture. It's like two guitars, one going east, one going west. Yeah. You Clarksdale, know? Mississippi. Yeah. But the legend of Robert Johnson continues. Um he died really young and he was the original twenty seven. Twenty seven. Yeah, was, was he? Yeah. And how'd he die? There's, there's, how'd he die? A, there's a little different things on how he died. Um the most popular one was he was poisoned by a lover's husband. Um Somebody handed him a, a bottle of booze. Um, it was already open. Somebody like, tried to slap it out of his hand. Like at a juke joint. Yeah. Mm. And Robert Johnson was like, he was a motherfucker. He was like, yeah. Yo, don't you dare slap that out of my hand. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, he drank from this, and he said he it took him like three days to die. He was over, like, howling like a wolf, he said. Like frothing yeah, yeah. at the like, mouth. Yeah. Kind of. The only thing I could think of... um. Besides being poisoned, maybe he had um, rabies. Maybe he had rabies. <laughs> no. I'm serious. Like, oh, maybe, maybe. Who knows? I thought he had like his appendix burst. No. possibly. You Who know? knows? Yeah, I, I I read that some people speculate he he caught syphilis because he was real that. famous for like Who, yeah. he would go to a juke joint and he Bang would go everything. home. He would go home with a woman. Yeah. Who like normally a married woman and sneak out the door? What a way to go out! Yeah, he, but he he was all about himself. He had this huge like ego. It. Sounds like it. Now you ever see those pictures of him? Yeah, yeah there's only like two or three. Yeah, yeah. there's only a few. Yeah. The one picture that's really famous is him in the suit in the hat, and he has a huge smile of him. Yeah, you know that was him in his prime. Yeah, yeah. Before there's, I became there's one of him like he's smoking a cig- like a cigarette's hanging out of that's his mouth. That's one of my favorite ones. He yeah. has like a he has like a lazy eye. Like yeah. his one eye's a little off. And yeah. he said that um 
they thought maybe his his fingers were longer than they than they, they were. They were been. like they were like tree trunks. Yeah. yeah. Like, so you'd they like, were huge. Like, did that help with his guitar? Totally. I, like I, I always notice that with players that are amazing, and like I'm like, they were oh like, my God, look at the size of their fingers. They were like little no. tree trunks, yeah. man. They were yeah. unbelievable. Well, what I thought was interesting too was like his music, or he recorded only like uh, 29 songs. There's not a lot of yeah. material about him. And do you have this part where like they go no, looking I, for him? Um, yeah, they they went go looking for him. They found out that he died. They they were going to put a concert on in um. Carnegie Hall. Carnegie Hall, and they went and go look for him, and they found out that he died. Yeah, John Hammond was doing the show. He wanted to promote all the, the John Hammond that discovered Dylan and mm, Springsteen yeah. wanted to get all these blues guys together to do a show, and they went looking for him, and he was dead. And same with like Alan Lomax went looking for him to record yeah. him, and like they didn't even know that he was that he died. What they wound up doing, they played his recordings at this concert, and it was like pin could drop. They said, yeah. Now, um, going back to like what actually probably he probably locked himself in a room for what you say like eight months, right? And practices and ass practices off. ass off. I like, mean, if he, he had like, such he had such an original way to play. Only you could learn that by yourself. But he was sound. He's so determined to become the best. He, he, he like if you listen to that guitar man, he's just not yeah. playing notes. He's playing. He, he's doing he's his all own thing. Over the, he's doing all his own over thing. the guitar. He's playing with his thumb. He's. You know, he's no, he's, 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 he's creating, he's doing fingers. things nobody ever did before. I tried doing a little research too, and like, what makes him so special? Like, Clapton has called him the most important singer that's ever lived. Rolling Stone has him number five on the hundred greatest guitar players. Gibson has him ninth in the top fifty guitar players of all time. Keith Richards is like he's a mate. I was like, he why? Was. Because well, I, because he's doing things that nobody ever did before. They said that like, I mean, the blues invented all this, and the blues were very like regional yeah you have like these little specifics and they yeah. said he played all yeah. of it at yeah. once yeah it's like usually the blues is like you know a four chord progression yeah but like you know when him doing his solos he's not just playing chords like ryan was saying he's playing all over the neck and he created his own thing that's why everybody considers him he was one of the greatest he was so unique yeah and because there's no video of the cm like there's you can't like imitate the guy yeah like, right. dude what is he doing oh i have no idea you know and he, um, they said he was one also of the first blues musicians to use like the guitar is another voice sure. in that. And yeah. You heard it in that song. Like BB King is really famous yeah. for that, but he was like the pioneer of that and all this music too. And he also wrote all of his own stuff mm -hmm. yeah. too. He wasn't just recording other people's stuff. Really, really cool, man. Really interesting. Yeah. Like out of all of American music, he's just a oh, really interesting just, figure. Just this, the Crossroads story is amazing by itself. Yeah, he's a you know? legend. And you know his story and his music are always going to live on. Yeah, but it's going to be hopefully be passed on to pass on the generation. There's, I think it will be. And there's a couple movies about him. There's yeah. a, that documentary on Netflix, yeah. Ryan, that we were talking about there during was a the good, week. There was a good movie made in the '80s with yeah. Ralph Macchio. Yeah, it was called it's Crossroads. Little, it's a little hokey. But I never no, seen it, but it was supposed yeah. to be like Robert Johnson, an old age. Mm -hmm. I was, you know? I've never seen. I just like, seen that Steve Vai thing at the well, end. Oh yeah, Steve you know Vai's I mean? in it, and he's like the devil's right hand man. You know, and then Ralph Macchio. Like outplays guitar, Steve I. Yeah. yeah, I don't think so. The Karate Kid yeah. beating Steve I. I don't think so. Mr. Miyagi can catch it. Can't do that shit. So I think Ryan, you had a couple other Delta Blues musicians you wanted to talk about. Yeah, a um, couple guys that hung around Robert Johnson. Um, one of the guys' name was Johnny Shines, and he's one of the original Delta guys that were doing recordings. Can we listen to one of his songs? Yeah. This is Standing at the Crossroads. Sure, here we go. Standing at the 
Sounds like a bunch of guitars. It does. It's a, it's a unique style even by itself. But he was Robert Johnson's boy. Now, was that song like a shout back, like how they used to do like shout backs? Like, uh, what? I think everybody just covered everybody's right. songs. Like, like, yeah, you know, they were all just standards. Yeah. But, but that that standard, the, the, the repeating of the line, I mean, yeah. that's such like a standard part yeah. Of, yeah. of blues that goes yeah, back like, to the old like yeah. gospel. Yeah. yeah. I think Johnny <laughs> Shines was around when Robert Johnson died. He, him and... um. David Honeyboy Edwards, they like pal around a lot with Robert Johnson, and they said he had a cruising for a bruising. <laughs> like you know, he had such an ego and such thing. Like you know, he 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 almost had it coming. Like they said, who Robert Johnson? Yeah, because wow. he had this huge <laughs> ego. You know, man, he got the devil to back him, dude. I even have an ego too. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, he was the greatest guitar player at that time. I mean, probably ever. There's such a virtuoso. Yeah, he's big of a, like he we say, he's a big influence. He invented his own way to play guitar. I agree I think that. that yeah. I think that's why nobody can copy him. And you made a really good point. Like, there's no footage of him playing. So you have to f- listen to over and over and over and over again and figure out what he's doing. Like I said, he played in the corner of a room, so it would echo back, and it sounded more of a fuller sound. Smart. I don't know whose idea that was, but whoever came up with that, that was... Brilliant. And all, it sounds like some Sam Phillips stuff. Like I know Sam Phillips had nothing to yeah, do with it, but maybe Sam Sam had some of that influence on him when he recorded using like, the room as a, yeah, as a room recording as an instrument. Studio. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Robert Johnson, greatest blues guy ever. One guy that I had that I came across too was this dude named Sunhouse, like S O N, and he was a uh, he was a preacher who wound up eventually. Uh, becoming a blues musician and he was a really big influence on robert johnson and and muddy waters and another dude that was largely forgotten for like decades and then in the folk revival the 60s he came back and he died in 88 oh wow so he was he was around for a long time johnny shines died in like the early 90s well yeah so these guys a couple guys that lasted a really long time had another um kind of had like a second career coming out let's play a little a little bit of this guy this is called death letter blues cool Yeah, we're just saying as we're listening to it, like, man, that guitar is out of tune, like, all get out. But it's the sound. You know, he's doing his own thing. Doesn't matter if it's out of tune, right? None of this music is about, or this early stuff is about perfection. No, it's not supposed to be, I don't think. You know, yeah. like you hear that don 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 don. Like, was that the like the original hook in a song? Yeah, because that was be. that was hooky as hell, man. Yeah, you know, just another dude that we that came up in the notes. I was I was really digging the it's music. Fantastic. It's fantastic, really cool. Yeah, really really we, good. We stuff. all sat here at the same time. Like that guitar's out tune. Yeah, like it's great. 
Good stuff, man. There's a few blind willy guys that we took. Talk <laughs> blind willy guys. Is there a whole bunch of There's a bunch of blind willy guys. We have blind willy McTell and blind willy Johnson. That what that this blind willy Johnson song that you put on this playlist, I love it. Play- I'd never heard it before. Here you go, blind willy Johnson. It's nobody's fault but mine. Nobody's fault but mine. Nobody's fault but mine. But I don't read my soul, beloved. I have a Bible in my home. I have a Bible in my home. But I don't read my soul, beloved. Hmm. Father, tell me how to read. Father, tell me how to read. I love that song. Yeah, yeah. You, can hear the, you can hear the slide guitar, his voice. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, like we were talking, like all these songs had like that slide guitar. Like if they're using a slide, if they're like Ryan said, like maybe it's a chicken bone, maybe it's a bottle, maybe it's a knife. A knife. Who knows where you got your hands on, whatever makes a great sound. It's like, it's crazy to sit here, but your ears can be deceiving. I agree, you especially know, the recording. Like, rec- you, know. you really have to visualize the action of what these guys are doing on the guitar. And as we're sitting here listening to all these songs that are great, I'm visualizing all this in my head. I don't know if it's because we've been to Memphis and we've been to like these juke joint places and everything like that, but I really feel like I can really see and identify what they're doing. Well, that's a great point too, Ryan, when you said you got to visualize what they're doing because – before this, nobody's doing. You know, there, there's yeah. no rock and yeah. roll. There's no jazz. There's like talking about Charlie Patton putting the guitar behind his head and playing. Yeah. And it's got to be like blowing people's minds. Sure, how different that is. I mean, you think about how like Elvis shaking his hips and everything. I mean, this is decades before that. It's the beginning of it all. It really is, man. It's it's really interesting. And a lot of these early guys too. The way they sing is really different because there's no microphones no. or there's no there's no amplification. So like when they're playing in front of a crowd, they have to shout over it. And uh, I think maybe you that evolves, you know, over the years as technology catches up. But really, really interesting. It's amazing how just all these songs were recorded, like you know, and the and they're timeless. You know, like I don't think some like. Digital recordings sound as good as these recordings. I love the the scratchy, you yeah. know, the just of yeah. the technology that that classic like record player kind of sound. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. But I'm sure it's like it's all been cleaned up and this and that. But imagine what it sound like like 30 years ago. Yeah, you I know, mean, yeah, yeah right. we really had to like we're fortunate enough to live in a time where we get to uh, enjoy the pure sound. But you know, you have to think these records weren't made. They were made cheap. Yeah, and they weren't you know? made right. to last. They, Thank God some of them lasted the test of right. time. Some of them, the guys literally recording it in the trunk of his car yeah. in yeah. the 30s. I mean, yeah. they sold some of these records just to the black race. And, of course, they didn't make them very well. You know, so a lot of these recordings didn't last. Think of all the songs we were never going to hear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. This stuff is not marketed. To, it, it, the blues kind of becomes a white people thing yeah. decades and, later, but not now. And yeah. like how you said, like, you know, how people got to hear your song before recording, you were to write down the music and then you would hand, hand it to the people. And 
that was a great point. Like, because of like Ryan just said, like, you know, think about all the music that you didn't hear. You know, maybe one day they'll somebody will look behind a wall somewhere down down there and yeah. find all this original music that nobody's it's, ever heard it's before. Tr- it's it's like, right. It's like Robert Johnson did twenty recordings. How many other songs did he have that nobody oh. ever heard? It, it has to be I mean, in the probably a, a, no, probably about a dozen. But you yeah. know, it's it's. Something that, that we have never been imagined. <laughs> and and how do. much of this? Yeah. I mean, a lot of this music is largely forgotten. I mean, you know, out of the ten musicians we've spoken about so far, I mean, they're they're not part of like mainstream. No. Well, what is music? Yeah, there? like yeah. There's a guy I want to talk about. His name is Henry Thomas. Okay. Um, right off the bat, let's play the song. It's called "Don't Ease Me In." Okay. Here Doug, we go. Tell me if you know this song. I wanted to play that song um, because it's a very big cover to Grateful Dead. Yes, yeah. I love that the Dead that covered so many well, that's of these the songs. Thing. Yeah, the Grateful They're... Dead was a first a blues band. Yeah, you know they were playing it in 1963. Yeah, you know before the Beatles were even doing their thing, they were already playing in a blues band. You know that all their beginning songs are all blues standards. But I wanted to play that song just because I know it's a big Grateful Dead cover that they play all the time. Our goal is to turn more people into Grateful Dead. Yeah, this generation's your, coming up. People just don't understand it, Bruce. I don't get it. Well, when you're playing this, I was like, I know this song. I've heard it somewhere. And you're like, it's a Grateful Dead. I'm like, that's exactly yeah. where I've heard it before. I've well, heard that's, it. That's I've the thing about the Dead. They covered so many um, standard blues songs and they make up their own. So you hear these songs and you're like, oh, shit. You know, yeah, I knew sure. the song. Sure. But, you know, I just wanted to play that because, you know, the Grateful Dead did it. God bless the Grateful Dead. Very cool. All right. So I think we're done covering the Delta Blue. Oh, you know what? One other thing I thought was really interesting when I was reading about that area of the Delta and one of the books or something said that that region of the country isn't as old as you think it is. Like, oh, really? I thought it was like it went back to. 1800s right they said that it was largely like it wasn't until well after the civil war like the army corps of engineers had to go in and build all like levees and stuff to get the water to recede and then it was kind of like after the war a lot of african americans moved in there because it was very fertile ground thinking that maybe they could find a place of their own sure and it just wound up becoming you know, the suppressive, you know, white people, sharecroppers and all yeah. that other kind of stuff. But maybe the interesting thing is that you had the Army Corps of Engineers build all these levees. It was a new area. And then you had all these people coming from all over the South into it. Yeah. And then that kind of like melting pot is where the Delta Blues came from. You had yeah. all these people moving in. Like a lot of things changed down and down the South when um, the Civil War ended. Like, for example, there's a huge Irish population down there. And that's all from the people getting off the boat from one boat, getting the other one, yeah, going down there, survive, down there, surviving the war and then living their rest of their lives down there. You know, the Delta Blues is the beginning of it all, boys. It really is. I mean, we could sit here and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And there's another 30, 40 musicians that sure. we didn't we sure. didn't talk about that we could. But you know. we, you know, we want you to 
Do your own research. Let sure. us know about people you musicians you learn. I'd about. love to hear it. All right, I think we're going to take a break, and we come back. We're going to talk about maybe the Great Migration when a lot of the African Americans leave the Deep South and they go into the big city, and uh, they bring the blues with them, and it really evolves into something a little bit closer to what we hear today. When you think of the blues, yeah. All right, all right. Cool. We'll be back. Stick around. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia. There's something for everyone on the beer list and the jukebox in McCusker's. It's minutes from the sports stadiums in Philly, making it a great place to stop by for a few drinks before or after a concert or a game. Come see for yourself why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy has called it one of the best dive bars in the city. Visit them at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia or on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. Thanks so much for sticking with us. So I think we're going to go from the Delta of Mississippi up to the big city of Chicago. And I think the person that we're going to start with is, well, maybe before we start that, let me just kind of put this in perspective. So, you know, as the South, the working conditions in the South continued to be really crappy for African-Americans, a lot of them just said, I'm out. I'm done working in agriculture. I'm going to go to the big city. As we said at the beginning of this of the episode, I mean, they a lot of them they took the train, and the trains went to places like Memphis and Chicago. And uh, you know, between like 1900 1970, seven million people moved out. African Americans moved out of the South and largely went to these cities. Holy shit! And they brought their culture with them. Sure. And you know, I guess the the great place to start would be with Muddy Waters. Sure. The king. The absolute king of the electric blues sound. But, like, you know, Chicago, man, like, it's totally, like, embraced, like, the blues, the food, like, the the culture, man. It's, it's still that way, you know. Man, and, and the influence that Muddy Waters has on modern rock and roll, like, the blues rock sound that, yeah. that the British in uh, embrace in the 60s. I cried. I mean, the Stones got their name from yeah, a yeah, Muddy yeah, Waters yeah. song. So. Let's play a Muddy song. Let's do it, man. Manish Boy. Manish Boy is another one that I absolutely love. Now, when I was a young boy, at the age of five, my mother's child gonna be the greatest man alive. But now I'm a man Way past 21 I want you to believe me, baby I have lots of fun I'm a man I would play that in the blues band, and I would imitate the screaming in the background. Yeah, background. Do that. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Oh, such passion. You can't, you know, like, that's the beautiful things about one take or something like that, recording live. And it's like, honestly, like, I don't know what how much time has passed since, like, the Delta Blues to what we're talking about now, but the technology of recording has definitely changed. Well, like, it muddy, became more sophisticated. Well, Muddy changed the sound, though, too. You yeah. Know? Like, we were talking during the break. Muddy had this Delta sound, and um, he grew, moved to Chicago, and grew into this electric sound that yeah. he basically invented. Yeah, you know? he, he grew up on a plantation in Clarksville, which is where Robert Johnson reportedly sold his soul to the devil, and he grew up listening to guys like Sunhouse and Robert Johnson, and 
Alan Lomax recorded him in the in the early '40s, and at some point he gets on. He literally gets on the train and he moves to Chicago and he he plugs in his guitar, and yeah. that's really like where it, the blues changes into this more electric it's, style. And then, like you could just hear the influence Muddy has on Keith Richards' yeah, guitar play in that record. It's, it, it, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, like when he moved to Chicago, he would just play out in the street, man. Like, you know I mean, he would just plug his, like, plug his amp into some, through somebody's window and just start just shredding. It. Yeah. It's, I, it's really cool hearing Keith Richards talk about him. Like, Keith Richards is one of the, the greatest guitar players ever, but he speaks so reverentially about some of these guys. It's just, and he, you can tell he really, really, really knows his shit when he's sure. talking. It's just really cool listening to him it's talk like about Keith, Robert Johnson or Muddy Waters. Yeah, you know, Muddy went over to England and was blown away how well he was treated. Yeah, he couldn't believe it. And then the, you know, like the stone, you hear the stones come to America, and they see Muddy changing a light bulb or fucking painting, painting the hallway a, or something, painting the hallway. Yeah, you know, and and like to hear the influence that. Muddy had on the stones, it's pretty unfucking believable. And when Keith walked into chess and there's Muddy changing the light bulb or whatever, it it kind of blew him away. He's like, wait a minute, you're the greatest of all time. And what are you doing? He's like, oh, well, you got to pay the bill somehow. And then, like, right after that, Keith started like tearing off like some bills for him and kind of got him back on his feet. And like, you know, with they, right toured. Before, they, they, they toured, they toured over yeah. to England. Yeah, you know? they brought him to England and all that. And there is a great video on youtube from the checkerboard lounge and it's muddy with the rolling stones it's pretty it's pretty lit you want to play play a little bit of it if you have it on yeah, there yeah i can i can pull it up on um fire it's, it up on youtube it's pretty wild i hear my phone ringing I too. sound like a long distant call God, really cool, man. Yeah, it's great. I mean, and the influence that he has on music. Yeah. You is... know, and, and going back to, like, Keith Richards, I feel like that Keith Richards, like, as popular as Muddy Waters is in the world, I think Keith Richards had a lot bringing that back to pe- oh, people who oh, realize that. Yeah. I think know. all those bands, like Cream yeah. and The Stones and, you know. Um, they Clapton. Were, they, yeah. oh, Allman Brothers, yeah. ZZ Top. Yeah. Even, they, even Hendrix. I mean, mm-hmm. holy yeah. shit. Yeah, you know, AC, even ACDC, some of their yeah. like the riffs are, are yeah. old blues influence. I, I think blues riffs will never die. Now, what were you saying like during what we just listened to? Who tried to get up on stage and the Buddy Guy? Buddy Guy tries to jump up on stage and join the jam because holy shit, Mick Jagger and Keith, he's looking to get his face on there. Yeah, and Muddy looks at him like, get the fuck off the stage. <laughs> and then Muddy also had a big personality, also. Um, you know, he, he whored around a lot. Yeah. You know, um, he like he liked his booze. Um, he had a bunch of children outside of wedlock. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he well, was already married. He had a wife and he was having kids outside of his marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he, he was a blues man. He lived he that was, lifestyle. He yeah. was a blues man up and down the street. He definitely, definitely one of the greatest guitar players ever. Yeah. Invented a whole way of playing guitar from everybody from Keith Richards ripped them off to Jimmy Page. 
I like how you said rip them off, not doing doing like homage that to thing. them. Yeah, they like, rip them off because look at all the white yeah. kids that never heard like these riffs or anything. Yeah, but yeah, again, go, like oh, Keith Richards, greatest guitar player ever. Look what he came up with. But that's going back to to our Stones episode, and it's kind of like we kind of did say that, like you know, they're introducing this music to a culture that has never heard anything like this, especially out in England. Yeah, you know, unless you're into it already, you know. And when we talk about the blues going electric, it's. I guess we got to put some guardrails up because, like, I mean, this spills into like hot jazz and you yeah. know I, the stuff we talked about at the beginning. Like, it goes all over the place in like, mean, New York and Chicago, and the blues just doesn't stop at guitar. I mean, of course not. No. I mean, obviously, her harmonica is a, a huge, huge part, part of it. Yeah. There's a good story about a guy named Sonny Boy Williams the second. Sonny Boy Williams the first was a harmonica player. Also, mm-hmm. he would say he lived in Texas. Okay, he had a pretty good uh, career for himself, and then now there's this other guy calling himself Sonny Boy Williams. So Sonny Boy one went to find this guy. <laughs> oh, really? And he was like, "I'm going to." Oh, it wasn't it. a junior. <laughs> no, 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 I saw, no, no, I thought I saw, it was. I saw, I saw, no, I, yeah, I saw that. I thought I it was saw also the names of my notes, and yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. they were like a father yeah. son. No, no, it was. It was a, <laughs> It was a guy. He went looking for the dude for using his name. He's like, "Listen, you're going to use this name, but you got to say you're the second. You're not right. the first. But um, play this song. He was the original harmonica player before Little Walter, before anything. Um, Sonny Boy Williams too. Sonny Boy Williams too. Right. They don't have any recordings of Sonny Boy one. I tried to find it, <laughs> um, but Sonny Boy two. It definitely has the electric." Sound of the harmonica. All right, I, I got a little confused during that. Also, I was like, I'm, I'm back in there now. Here's "Bad Luck Blues" by Sunny Boy Williams too. To hear that early harmonica stuff is definitely really cool. Yeah, and the story of it. Number one, going to find <laughs> number, number two. two. Now, um, do you think it was common for back then? Before you know, because nobody in the beginning knew by really knew what anybody kind of looked like. Do you feel like they were like imposters? Imposters, like Fuck all yeah. over the place, like driving yeah. around. Well, you know, in that movie, they say like little Walter. Yeah, and he shoots the guy. He sh- fucking he shoots, shoots the, the dude yeah. for for using his name. Yeah, fuck. I mean, but you, I wonder if how common that actually is. Probably was very common. Like, I, prove me wrong. You I know? mean, dude, he went to another state to tell the guy to stop using his name. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's a great story. Um, I think a really great example of great blues is Willie Dixon. I mean, Willie Dixon, um, he wrote a lot of blues songs, um, a lot of songs that you heard. Um, but I think this song is a great you – you ever hear the 12-bar blues? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I think this is a great, great example of the 12-bar blues. It's called I Can't Quit You, Baby. Oh, I've heard this before. Yeah. Song. All right, here we go. Wow. 
Did recognize anybody recognize that? Led Zeppelin. It was fucking Zeppelin ripped that off. Now, you know what's great about what I really enjoyed about listening to this? Other instruments have started changing. It started evolving. You know, um, I don't know if jazz started influencing the blues a little bit, but if you Absolutely. listen to the drums, because that's the first song that we listened in this episode that has featured other instruments in it, where it's recognizable to hear. Like, there's drums, there's like those offbeat like, things. And like, just listen to it. I know did you guys ever cover this song with the Obama Red? We covered a lot of songs. Yeah, but like this, this song is like right up your guys' alley. Yeah. You um, know a lot of the songs that we played so far were these upbeat songs. I wanted to give an example of the twelve bar blues. Yeah. I mean it's so popular. Um I feel like it was something we had to talk about. No, and I think it's very important because like I said, like I'm wondering if this is where that crossover from jazz started making his way in the blues and like it's it's a very think, important song, man. Yeah, I think jazz yeah. is an uh, jazz is an offshoot yeah. of blues. It's yeah. like an, an evolution yeah, of yeah. it. But as you're, the you're, bands get bigger, bigger. Yeah. yeah, and the music becomes a little bit more complex. I believe you know? Willie Dixon was one of the first ones inducted to the Rock and Roll of Fame. Mm, okay, he like one of the, let's say like one of the first twenty people he was inducted to the rock mm. wall a handful of the um the delta artists we talked about are in that like early influencer category yeah. too but not not you know inducted as like contemporary artists mm. yeah i mean they there is a blues hall of fame i mean all those guys are in it but for the rock and roll of fame to induct like i'm pretty sure uh robert johnson's in there sure i'm pretty sure muddy waters is in there mm-hmm. buddy guy um stevie ray Vaughan. yeah we'll, we'll yeah. talk about but, you know, the blues thing has always been more of an underground kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, in Memphis, they had a blues hall of fame, didn't they? Yeah, that's yeah, we where went, the hall yeah, of fame we is. Yeah, we went to that. We went to that place. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit. I mean, we, it's all the musicians we've spoken about so far have all been men. Yeah. But in the 20s in Chicago, women really become the first like stars and i believe this is before muddy waters goes to chicago mm. and redefines everything but there was a series of women that were really famous mammy smith ma rainey and bessie smith and i'll, I'll just i'll talk a little bit about ma rainey let me play a little bit of, of her music I'm gonna run away after There's a movie about her called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom that Chadwick Boseman is in. I, I haven't seen it yet. Dude, it's but fantastic. I'll have, to, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. It really comes about like, you know, uh Jack like Bowman, he's like this guitar player and like he's gonna be like the next big thing. But I think everybody I think you guys should watch it. I think I'm you're definitely really gonna, gonna watch it. Yeah, yeah you guys won the Golden Globe it, for it posthumously. Yeah. Right she she's interesting in that I mean she started as like a minstrel singer, like the mm-hmm. whole like we're gonna make these colored folk come out and dance like you know, they're yeah. racist as hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in hindsight. But she also seemed that she had like a lot of stones for an African-American woman in the twenties. Like she wore these big elaborate costumes. She had like yeah. ostrich feathers. She had some gold teeth yeah. and um, 
She started playing this uh, circuit of clubs by the Theater Owners Booking Association, the T-O-B-A. But she said it was really stood for tough on black asses because yeah, yeah. <laughs> they really broke it. They, they were hard to work for. Just a really interesting. She, she played with um she recorded some stuff with Louis Armstrong. Yeah. She called her version of, of uh, the blues hot jazz. Yeah. And she's in the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, the Postal Service made a stamp of her a couple of years ago. Yeah, she think that, huh. Right. You would call her a motherfucker. Like I, she did. I, she was business all the time. And, man. and a lot of these women sang. The they really were the lyrics were really sexual yeah, about yeah. like you know I just want to get some and I mean it was it's really like bad language and and talking about like lesbianism and she can well she was like you empowering yeah. kind of stuff for a hundred years ago yeah. I'm gonna watch it tonight probably. I'm surprised you didn't watch it man Which, what is it on Netflix yeah yeah I won't get into Mammy Smith but Bessie Smith was called the Empress of the Blues I love this song and I'm gonna play a little bit oh, of it all right cool do. yeah all right. Nobody knows you when you're down and out. Yeah, here you go. Champagne and wine When I begin to fall so low I didn't have a friend And no place to go So if I ever get my hand On a dollar again I'm gonna hold on to it Tell them he goes Man, that song is so deep. It's great. I I, don't, I think we know all about that right now, Doug. Nobody knows you when you're down and out. No, like they, they like to kick you when you're down and out. Yeah, totally. We know what that's about too. Yep. But you know, I love that style of music. You know, I I you know maybe it's big band. I just love that sound. Like I I Very, said this before, man. That's like a fucking lazy Sunday hammock lane iced tea drinking song, yeah. man. Like that sound it is fantastic. Definitely has a ragtime twenties yeah. kind of yeah. feel to it. Boardwalk Empire. I listen to that that type of music often. Like yeah. it's just like really like a a little chill out day. You know. Put yeah, that some, stuff on, man. You really enjoy your day. You some some interesting things around Bessie Smith is she started out as a street performer with her brother. Um, she got pretty big, man. One of her songs sold 250,000 copies in a year, which I don't know in the 1920s how big that is, but that seems mm-hmm. rather a lot of- substantial to me. Uh, Billie, Hi- Billie Holiday absolutely idolized her. So it was sure. like the this, this spinoff into jazz. Um, and then the, the local tie is she died in a car accident in 1937, and she's buried in Mount Lawn Cemetery right outside Philadelphia. Oh, really? And wow. she, was yeah, in yeah. An, uh, she was in an unmarked grave until Janis Joplin I paid for this. her tombstone in the it. 70s. That's great, man. So just a little bit of a local, no, a local tie, dude. I love how yeah. all these how all these artists in the sixties, man. They all stood up it's and all, like these needs to be recognized. It's all it's all connected, right? It's fantastic, really, really interesting. So. That's awesome. Yeah, who else you got? We got to talk about the man, the man, John Lee Hooker. Yes. Yeah, yes, man. You don't boom, get boom, 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 boom. I'm gonna boom. shoot you right down. Let's let's right off the bat play one of his most famous songs, but not famous by him. Uh, it was covered a billion times. Um, let's play one bourbon, one scotch, one beer. One bourbon, one scotch, and one bill. One bourbon, one scotch, and one bill. Man, we all know that song, don't yeah, we? Yeah, right. That was on our uh, bar playlist. Yeah, the George Thurgood and Destroyers. 
Man, the Delaware Destroyers. John Lee Hooker is another dude that I mean, he died in 2001. But so he, he was around a long time. Dude, he, he was. He and was but, old in the Blues Brothers. Yes. And we don't know when he was born. So he was born like, like I read dates everywhere between 1912 to 1923. Holy shit. And he he was like, his dad was a preacher. His parents only let him ever listen to church music. But then at one point his parents separated and his mom married a blues singer who taught him how to play guitar. I just, I love it. That's great. I love that story. Yeah, yeah. You know what's also really interesting to him? He was illiterate. He couldn't read. Hey, this is very common. I'm sure any of them could. But everything he, so all those songs were all in his head. But I I think that's very common. Like, very, very common, man. I saw um, Keith Richards give an interview this week, talk about John Lee Hooker. And he said, to play with John is a very hard thing, because you say, hey, what what key are you in? And he goes, dung! That's the the key that it's in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And no matter what, he doesn't tune, he doesn't do anything. Yeah. He just sings along with the tune yeah, with he, the guitar. He, yeah, he, that's interesting. Very like, strict, that's a really yeah. Very good artist. When, when you don't you rely adapt. on yeah, you rely you don't rely on standard tuning. You tune the guitar to itself. He um, this is what it is today, you know. And also when when he learned how to play guitar, he also ran away from home when he was fourteen and he went to Memphis and he started just sure. playing on the street in Beale Street and yeah. just kind of came up in the blues. He's he's great, man. I was saying when we were playing the song, he he was the first blues musician I got into. I was in my twenties and yeah. I I started listening to him. Um, I mean, he was in the Blues Brothers yeah, movie. He was in the Blues and Brothers. That, that was like, boom, yeah, boom. we saw that movie very, very young and we we're just exposed to it, and I think we our whole lives was just like we recognized the blues. He he did you know? a great album with Canned Heat called Hooker and Heat, mm-hmm. which is really good. <laughs> great, and he also did. I mean, Santana got we we talked we trashed him a little bit in the yeah. electric chair episode. The album yeah. when he had all the influences, but he did an album with John Lee Hooker called The Healer. Mm-hmm. Where like Bonnie Raitt was on all these all of these other musicians, it was kind of like the precursor to that Santana album, and it was great. It was great. Never, it was a great, yeah, it was a great album. I'm not a really big Santana fan. I got to be honest. Yeah, but it no, was. But him I and Jolly that Hooker album. together was really good. I remember that album. Yeah, yeah. Jolly Hooker was was awesome. Really yeah. interesting character. He put it out like, like over a hundred albums. He recorded like under a different name for different labels, so he could just keep making all that's this stuff. Yeah, you look at his great. You look. I'll I'll look up his discography. Right. He would use talking. a different name for other record companies. Yeah. Well, if you think about then. Prove it wrong. He'll probably sing like in a different kind of voice. Maybe. You know. I don't know. You know. But that's. I'm in love with that idea. Rip them off. Sure. Well, they're going to rip you off eventually. So. You might as well rip them all first. Especially they just pay you for the session. Sure. And, you know, whatever. But, why not? Yeah. And he was recording up until, like, I mean, he, he was in his 80. Yeah, until, yeah. He, until he died. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Awesome. Like Ryan said, he was an old man in the 70s. Mm-hmm. You know, 70s and 80s. So I think next we're going to talk about a guy who was, he was a Texas blues man, a guy named Lightning Hopkins, also on Rolling Stone's list of greatest guitar players of all time. He's listed number 71. He was really cool, man. He was another guy I didn't know much about when I listened to his, uh, I wound up listening to a couple of his albums this week. Here we play uh, Mojo Hand. Go for it. She can't have no other man. Cold ground was my bed last night. Rocks was my pillow too. Cold ground was my bed last night. Rocks were my pillow too. I woke up this morning, I was wondering, what it would am I gonna do? I lay down thinking, bite me a mojo hand. What's really interesting about him is 
his sound sounds like a whole band backing him up, but it's just him using all of his fingers and using everything he possibly can to play the guitar in different time signatures and everything. You just you said that during the break and where we're playing it, and I took a second to listen to it and I was like, "You're lying." There, that sounds like there's like three people yeah, playing. No, it's, and just it's just him. It's crazy. It's just him. Well, like you were saying, like I can't remember his name, but like down in Memphis when we did the Sun Records episode, there was another artist that kind of was really famous for that. You know, I, I forget what he played. He was more of a one man band but, playing the drums with his feet. And yeah, yeah. This guy was making sounds out of the, just the guitar, like he was making percussion sounds along on the guitar with the with the strings and everything. That was uh, Joe Hill Lewis. Joe, Joe Hill Lewis. Lewis was playing. He had a bass drum. He had a hi hat. Okay. Was, he had a harmonica. I see, I was this on- guy just played the guitar. And played so differently than everybody else. It sounded like he was playing with a full band. I wonder how he got that sound, like that snare drum sound. If he did that Johnny Cash thing with the uh, the dollar bill on the bridge. Yeah. You know? It's amazing how these guys recorded. He actually started getting into music. He went to a church picnic when he was eight, and Blind Lemon Jefferson was playing there wow. with him. And uh, he is another dude. He spent some time in prison, but we don't, like, history's kind of yeah. forgotten why. Everybody was Everybody in the prison back everything. then. Yeah. If you are in the blues, you were in prison. Right. It's part of it. I was going to say, everybody down in Texas, like, back then, man, they all had guns on them. So yeah, did, a, did a stint, you know, yeah. hey. Lightning Hopkins is just such a classic. That's a blue, great name. A great That's a great name. name. Yeah. I know we talk about this guy a lot, but how can we not talk about him? The Wolf. I love The Wolf. Wolf. I love Alan man, Wolf, man. he was the best. Let's play some, let's play some of him. All right. Spoonful. Spoonful. He's the greatest, man. Man, his like, voice. Just, we, I know we talked about before, man, but we all have these big smile on our faces. Yeah. Listen, we can, ne- we can never, get, we can never get enough of him on the show. We talked about him a lot in our Sun yeah. Records episode. We he, had to mention him. Sam Phillips said that listening to him sing is proof that the soul of man will never die. Sure, just, I agree with that. I mean, he's. We talked about this in the Sun Records episode, but. Sam Phillips, who discovered Elvis and Johnny Cash and Roy Orbison, said he was the most talented person. He was. Yeah. Like, no, I you, see some yeah. Of, you see some of his old video. And the way awesome. he acts, he was a great front man. Yeah. yeah. He was unbelievable. He yeah. would do anything on stage to make it rowdy. I, and we talked about some of those old guys, like uh, Charlie Patton playing the guitar by his hand, and there's mm-hmm. no video. But there is video of, of, of Helen Wolf, it. and he's Thank running God. all over the stage and acting yeah. like a crazy man. Really he's great. He's a giant dude. Yeah, he was like 6'3", yeah. 6'4". Oh my God! You think you you think he was a mountain? He's another dude that when the Stones got big, they went on a couple of TV shows and insisted that he had to come on with them. Yeah, and how they saw that, how that go they for it? It really went well. The TV, really, the TV, oh, he actually did it. Yeah, yeah. they okay. brought him up. Well, the TV network thought 
Howlin' Wolf was an animal act. And they're like, all right, you want to bring animals out? Go ahead. And then they brought out this six-foot-free black dude. Yeah. The the host starts, like, asking all these questions about it. One of the guys in the store was like, all right, will you just shut up? We want to hear. We want Brian to hear Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Brian Johnson. Brian Jones, I'm Brian sorry. Brian Jones, he, he's like, will you just shut up? We want to hear Howlin' Wolf. Yeah. And then they just sit in the audience and yeah. just listen to him. It's really cool. That's fantastic. Right. I never heard that. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Howlin' Wolf was the man, but... If we're going to talk about the blues, we got to talk about B.B. King. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Now we're getting up to more of the modern era kind yeah, of stuff. But B.B. was the he was the king of the blues. I mean, when he died, um, there was like a parade down Beatles Street for him. They yeah. You this, mentioned this in another episode, almost like a they were Louisiana sure, kind of. We were in Memphis. We were at B.B. King's um, restaurant and we we're talking to the, the bartender and she says, the funeral was unbelievable, and I said, "There, were, you will never see something like that ever again for anybody." Yeah, I mean, I wish I would, just to see the pictures of them carrying his ca- casket down Beale Street was something on its own. Well, you know what it says about BB? If you're a music fan, you know the name of Guitar Man. Everybody knows Lucille. Yeah, everybody who's in the kind of in the music or the rock and roll. That's how big BB King influences on. Modern rock and roll and popular culture. I think you know? his most popular song, maybe we should play it right now, The Thrill is Gone. Yeah, man, let's do it. Thrill is gone. The thrill is gone away. That's a great song. The great accompl- great like, guitar player, man. Yeah. He was just one of a kind. He was such a gentleman, too. Everybody had something good to say about B.B. Um, you know, he, he started out on Sun Records. Well, no, he recorded at Sun Records. And yeah. then they sold his records to Chess Records. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't talked about Chess Records yet. And, you know, we're talking more probably about the musicians. But, I mean, Chess Records is... Is really important in all this too. Like they they published a lot of you know Chuck Berry and Helen Wolf, Muddy Waters, the Stones, the Stones, yeah. right? The Stones recorded there. I, I thought it was interesting. They uh, record label or radio stations at the time would only play so many songs by one artist because they were afraid of like the payola yeah. kind of stuff. So Chess Records started Checker Records. So, so you had chess and checkers, so oh, they could be funny. like, oh, well, you can play it's, this. It's a whole and, other, yeah, yeah, a whole yeah, other, whole other company. Right. Just interesting. I mean, chess, man, they really did put rock and roll in the blues. Yeah. Sure. I, we could have done a whole episode just on chess records. Yeah, maybe we will one day. Yeah, I think that would be great. Now, do you think that chess was more influential than the stuff they recorded more than Stax records? Mm, a different thing. Yeah. It's a, you, it's it's a totally different, different thing. thing. Stack Records is more of an R&B thing. Yeah. Um, That's true. I mean, uh, chess was strictly blues. And, you know, it, it, it started rock and roll. Like yeah. Chuck yeah. Berry. Maybe only because... Well, they had Etta James. You know what I mean? So yeah. she was kind of like a jazz. She wasn't really bluesy blues. You know, like how... Like these other artists that were on that label. 
I don't know. I was just kind of curious what you guys kind of thought about that because she was more of an R and B. Maybe artist. only because Stax Records has Motown as That's its true. counterpart. That's and true. Chess was, yeah. was like the flagship yeah. of the country's blues. All right. We got any other of the electric blues musicians yeah. we got to talk about? Why don't we about? talk about Bo Diddley? Bo Diddley. Bo Diddley. You I don't forgot know about Diddley. Bo Diddley. Remember that Bo Jackson commercial? Yes. I don't know Bo Diddley. Bo, you don't know Diddley. Let's play one of the greatest <laughs> songs. Bo Diddley. Bo Diddley. By Bo Diddley. By Bo Diddley. <laughs> What a, a fun song. Oh, dude. what a great guitar player. He's Man, such a I great love, song. I love that early rock and roll kind yeah. of stuff. That riff was ripped off so many times sure. by different artists. Yeah. He's one of like the the bridges between the blues and rock and roll. Yeah. Oh, he's definitely one of the pioneers of the rock and roll sound. But he's, you know, like of course we all know who Bo Diddley is, but he never, I don't feel like that he has that, like not your average person will know who Bo Diddley is. Like, of course, you know, they don't know who, like you said, Chuck Berry. They're going to know who B.B. King is. You know, they're going to know Muddy Waters. But I feel like that Bo slips through the cracks a little bit. That's why he's on the show. That's yeah. why we're talking yeah. about him. He, he also is another dude like you know, grew up in the deep south in Mississippi and kind of played around with some music and guitar. And he decided he wanted to start playing guitar because he saw John Lee Hooker sure. in concert. Yeah. He was like, wow. you know, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to try doing this and just started kind of like as a street performer mm-hmm. and just grew into a blues guy or rock and roller. One of the things that you showed me this week, Bruce, was a great recording. <laughs> yeah. The super, super blues band. Um, That's it. Yeah. Bo Diddley, Muddy Waters, and Helen Wolf did an album together called the Super Super Blues Band in in like 68. And it's cool because they're they're just really just kind of breaking each other's stones. I'll play play a little bit. Here's a Diddley Daddy. Hey, wait, Wolf. What? Can you say that? Yeah. If you listen to more of that album, Bruce, like you showed it to me, they really break each other's balls. Like, you don't know how to play a guitar. <laughs> yeah. Man, I never heard that before. I got to listen to that. It like, sounds like so much fun. I think it's just a forgotten piece yeah. of music by three, like, huge blues musicians that collaborated I, with I, each I other. I wonder how that did that come out. Like, did, did that? 68. Yeah, yeah. 68. Because you hear that that, that kind of wah thing going on. I yeah. wonder who, which, who that is. Probably Bo Diddley. But I'm kind of curious, like, how that came around. Like, was it, like, kind of like the, the million-dollar quartet kind of thing? It sounds, you know. I think the, I think maybe um, they were just trying to cash in on, like, another hit record. Yeah. Like, they were, especially in 68, the blues was, like, came and gone. Yeah. Kind of thing. They, so they were, like, looking for a hit. It was actually on the Checker 
record label. Okay. Nice. And, um, I mean, the, the story was always at Muddy Water or, um, yeah, Muddy Waters and Helen Wolf had a, like a beef with each other. So they decided to make an album to get together and like, slug it out over playing blues standards and I don't and know what have, the hell Bo Diddley is And they had Bo Diddley yeah. as the yeah. referee. Yeah. He's the mediator. I'm going to have to listen to that. I'm definitely... I'm actually learning something here. Yeah. I'm actually... I always learn... Epi- I, I always learn things from our episodes, but I can't wait to listen to that. Yeah, I love when we uh, we just discover weird... You know, like yeah. just kind of forgotten things. I mean, rock and roll really took the blues to another level. Sure. I mean, um, are we ready to start talking about a little bit more rock and roll and blues? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I mean, I think I think the blues was very, very important to rock and roll, especially somebody like Jimi Hendrix. Sure, I absolutely. Mean, Jimi Hendrix took the blues on a whole other level. Let's play a little bit of Red House. You'll hear what I'm talking about. Jimmy was the fucking best. That has that classic. The guitar is the voice answering him. Yeah. Sure, he's playing like BB King was famous for. That was another example of twelve bar blues. But when I was a kid, man, I would listen to that song. Like you know, fourteen whatever. That was just rock and roll to me. I never identified that as blues until later in life, of course. But that like the blues has always been a huge part of like especially the rock and roll that I've always listened to. That was always like a big influence. Jimmy was big on the blues. Um, they put a compilation album of Jimmy's blues recordings, which is pretty rad. I love listening to that tracks. What's it called? The it's called blues. Blues. Yeah, and the blues becomes such a a layer in rock and roll. I guess really is with the British invasion. You know, all those guys come over, and the Stones are the big one. But you've got like. Canned Heat and the Butterfield Blues Band and Hendrix, Janice, yeah. of course. But like, it's always funny. Like, the Stones are known to be like beginning blues band, but then Hendrix comes, starts doing yeah. it, and he just buries everybody because that's his music. It's his country. It's his. He, you per- know what I mean? He perfected it, but a bunch of guys couldn't even step up the bat because Hendrix took over the guitar hero world. Sure. You know, guys like Buddy Guy, you yeah. know, he also was a is a great, amazing guitar player. But, you know, could he stand up to Hendrix? Like, no. his, Well, he can, but, you know... Dude, we saw Buddy Guy, didn't we? I've seen him a, yeah, bunch, of, I've really? seen him a bunch of times. But didn't we see him with uh, George Thurgood? No, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think we did. I saw him with Tom Petty. I saw him yeah. with Thurgood. Yeah. I saw him with B.B. King. But he's another guy that virtuoso on the guitar and uses the blues for a rock and roll sound. Yeah. Can we can we listen to some buddy guy? First time I met the blues by buddy guy. Walk 
Dude, I love the picking. The picking that he's doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so fast, man. But he always had clean. His, he always had that guitar with the polka dots on it. Yeah. His that was his whole gig, like polka dots. But he was you know, standing in the shadows of another great guitar player, Jimmy. I mean, about the same time, but he got the back back seat. But it's so it's but from what Jimmy Hendrix was doing, man, he was like on in outer space compared he's keeping that that um that original idea of blues. Like I love the arrangement no, of you're that right. song. Buddy Guy kept the original I sound did. of blues. And yeah, you're right. Hendrix put a rock and roll twist yeah. on that house. Dude, he was in outer space, man. Yeah. Like, you know, nobody could you know, it's it's apples and oranges, dude. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Honestly, it's yeah. completely two different sounds. But, you know, is one better than the other? No. I should probably mention Clapton a little bit, too. Sure. Uh, why not? Yeah. He also played a really big role in Robert Johnson's kind of, like, resurgence and discovery. Like, if you ever get the um the box set that had all Robert Johnson's stuff, yeah, he, he wrote the liner notes to it. Mm-hmm. I think he donated a lot or something to kind of bring all that kind of stuff back. And he came out, it was like 94, he came out with that album of all the blue standards mm-hmm. uh, yeah, from the cradle. cradle. Oh, yeah. I, bought, I bought that. Yeah. I bought that. It was really good. Here's a little bit of uh, It Hurts Me Too, just a big, great song. huge sound. Great song. I love that song. My band used to play that song, too. Really? Yeah. I have so many great memories of hearing all these songs I used to play with the band. Who wrote that song? That's not his, right? No, that's a that's a he, that traditional. Whole, that whole album is yeah. all old. Yeah. Uh, From the Cradle, right? Yeah. Great yeah. album. Yeah. I have to go back and listen to that. Yeah. Blue Standard. I have to listen to so He long. plays a lot of that. Um, I, the, the Unplugged album. That was a lot of bluesy. Yeah. That was yeah. a really bluesy album, too. So you did. we mentioned that. We just said who wrote that, and I just Googled it real quick. You know who the first person ever recorded that song was? Tampa that? Red. Tampa Remember Red. Tampa Red? was? He was in our Christmas episode. The really old blues song that oh, you pulled up. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. Hmm. It's pretty cool. Let me see, hang on. Let me see if it's... See what's on here. Go. Tampa Red. It hurts me, too. Okay. No, cool. I dig it. Yeah, I dig that. Like, I dig that a lot more than the Clapton yeah. thing because the Clapton thing is like really he's produced, like, like yeah. overproduced, and he's like screaming. Yeah, that's yeah. a really yeah. that's really nice to listen to. No, I think we're gonna talk about rock, blues guitar. We got to talk about the only white guy that Just, played the guitar, blues guitar, like nobody else. Stevie, about Stevie Ray, Ray. Stevie Ray Vaughan, yeah. man, man. I watched a documentary on him today. He played so much, unreal. His fingertips would fall off, yeah. and he would re-glue them, yeah. super glue uh, yeah. them back to his, his hand. Yeah. Let's, wow. let's play Texas Flood. Texas Flood. Texas 
like Stevie Ray reinvented the blues. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You Dude, know? I'll take him over Clapton any day that we see. I, I would do. Any yeah, day, course. man. Any day. He was so clean, a... man. He just his playing is so clean. His voice. He had he, such natural talent. He right. had a feeling for it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Clapton's like, okay, he's from England, whatever. You know what I mean? But You're, That's a great example. He is from England, and, and, and he's from Texas. And he's from Texas, man. He grew up in it. Like, he, he just has yeah. that feel, man. It's it's a part of him. It's, yeah, like, it just comes so naturally. Like, Clapton's imitating. Yeah, Clapton's, what, yeah, yeah. Clapton's working on it. You know, where he, it's just, just come naturally, just, man. Yeah. You know? He's dude. Man, he he was unbelievable. The he, He's the best. He, he died way too young. I remember when he died. I didn't even know who he was. Yeah, he died in a helicopter. Yeah, was that like eighty eight or something yeah. like that? Man, flew into high tension wires. Yeah. The, um, what the story was, um, Clapton was supposed to be on that helicopter also, but Clapton said, "I'm going to catch the next the the next one." Wow. Wow. Can you imagine? It's hard to imagine just him that happening to him. Imagine happening to both of them. When when I'm hearing all these newer guitar. Sounds, dude. We got to talk about Gary Clark. Jr. Sure, Gary Clark Jr. is great, man. I mean, he's if, like the most fresh. If anybody thing, reminds yeah. me of Hendrix, it's him. Yeah, yeah. he's a, dude. He's a monster. Let's play one. Let's play his song. Low down, Rolling Stone. I love it, man. It's got a yeah. like a gospel vibe to it, yeah. a blues vibe. Really good. I he, definitely have to make him part more part of my diet. He's like, you know, definitely carrying the torch. Yeah, you know. Thank God, somebody is. It's like I hear him and I think to myself, you know what? Rock and roll is not dead. That's a good point. You know, I would like to see that for him to re- this resurgence of rock and roll because I agree with you. Maybe it isn't dead. Like it kind of is, but hopefully he has something to do with bringing it back. Yeah, you've got. Stuff like KG Elephant, you know, Ugh. is, is front I, I and just center. Don't get it. And then you got this guy making real fucking music and nobody's paying attention to it. I think people are paying attention to it, but if people it's, are, I mean, age, it's not it's on people, the fucking radio. Yeah it's, yeah. it's not. Yeah. MMR doesn't even play a lot of Gary Clark Jr. I don't man. think they play any of them. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, people our age are listening to Gary Clark Jr., you know, but like the younger people, they're definitely not. They can't identify with anything that he's doing. You yeah. Know? Hopefully, maybe this turns you on. Hopefully he turns on some some kid and makes him want to pick up a guitar and he'll be the next big thing. He's definitely like 10 worth, years from now. Who definitely knows? worth checking out. Really talented guy. Is that it? Cool. We did, we just cover 150 years of music did in we? like an hour and, or two hours. Yeah. Wow. wow. Man, that was a lot. We did. It was, we moved pretty quickly through that. There's I had a, a good time with this. One. I did yeah. too. There's a couple people we didn't talk about. Yeah, like Johnny Winter. To, yeah. Like he's definitely like big deal in my book. Bonnie Ray. Yeah. Janice. Taj Mahal. Yeah. Keb Mo. I like Keb Mo a lot. How about the ZZ Top? ZZ Tops and uh, yeah, John Mayer. John Mayer, John Mayer plays Mayer. a lot of blues. blues. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we have some listener feedback. We actually got some feedback from our friends at Pantheon Podcast when we published the electric chair episode. They helped us out and they were uh, sharing it on so their social media. And they put a picture of Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit <laughs> and said that he needs to look out. And I was like, we totally forgot about Limp Biscuit in our electric yeah. chair episode. Dude, so how do we fuck that one? I don't know. But thanks for all of our friends at Pantheon. But um, speaking of Fred Durst, uh, HBO Max has a Woodstock 99 documentary coming on. And I hope they fucking trash him. Because we were he, there. We were, we were there. there. 
And I hope they that blame they blame him. him specifically for most of the problems that they had. Well, they ran that thing like shit too, but he could have helped that a lot and but he's a piece of garbage. Yeah. yeah. Maybe when we swing back around and decide we're going to do another negative episode, maybe yeah. on new metal would be yeah, a yeah. good topic. Yeah. One other thing is, uh, yeah, Jackie from Seattle, we read some feedback from her on the air a couple weeks ago. We mailed her a couple stickers and in return, she made some return address stickers for us with the prisoners, of rock and roll label on it. So thanks Jackie. We got it. Thank you. Thank s- you, Jackie. Yeah, You're re- awesome. Really appreciate it. And, uh, we've used them a couple times already. So now it is time for the electric chair, the segment where we sentence a song to death. We did a whole show about this last episode. It was so much fun. We got was, dude, yeah. we got a lot of great comments about it. Too. Yeah, dude, it I was, got a lot of like negative energy that I needed to let go in my life. But, in that um, episode, yeah, it feels it good great. every once in yeah, a while. No, just, hey, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's my turn this week for the electric chair. Yeah, well, the electric chair is sponsored by our friends at Lunacy Brewing Company at 1500 West Kings Highway in Haddon Heights, New Jersey. You can check them out on social media or at lunacybrewingcompany.com. And Ryan, it is your turn. Yeah, I just want to say hi to my boys at Lunacy. What's up, boys? This week is my turn for the electric chair, and I am picking anything by the Smiths <laughs> anything. or anything by Morrissey. Bruce, I'll let you pick a song. This is there is a light that will never go out only because I put in the Smith. Never heard it. Sh- sh- God, dude, how do, what, what do people get dude, out of it? I, why, why do they even like Morris? I don't get it. I don't get it at all. And he's like, he's an asshole, dude. dude. The fucking the, Simpsons did something, and they, he was just, like, just as nice, like it's nice to be relevant again. And then he's like, oh, I don't like this, and I don't like that. He's dude, a he's fucking a asshole. Jerk. He won't like. He'll go to a venue, and if anybody in the venue is, is like the staff is like wearing leather or they're serving anything made with meat, he refuses to go on stage. So it's like, not only am I a vegan or a vegetarian or whatever he is, everybody but you're is vegan too. And whatever right. I think is what you think. Right. Let's yeah. kill this song. Yeah. All right. I, Fuck you, Marcy. Death. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, you, Morrissey. You did a great thing. You yeah. fucking Ryan, you did a great thing. I never. I tried a couple times to get into their music, man. I, Why? Just, I can't do there's it. Nothing, there's nothing. There's nothing good get about. Into? I just. There's nothing good about. Dude, it. the only people who like Morrissey are cat ladies, dude. <laughs> That's Kate about it. Bush motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so that's it for episode 21, man. If you want to hear more of the blues, we publish a playlist to go with every episode. It includes everything that we played today and even a bunch of we had a lot of stuff, man, that we didn't even get to. We had a lot of musicians we didn't get to, but it's it's all on the playlist. You know, beyond that, if you dig the show, you can leave us a review or tell your friends about it. You can check us out on Facebook and Twitter. We're online at Prisoners of Rock and Roll. You can also shoot us an email, prisonersofrockandroll at gmail.com. And like I mentioned, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. They describe themselves as the MTV of podcasting, and we're really proud to be a part of it. And you can come visit us at McCusker's Tavern. Yes. I want to give the thanks to everybody at McCusker's for the support they've given us for the show. Everybody from Rob, Alex, Joe, Andrew, all you guys, Joe Notes, my boys, um, you guys are the greatest. Thank you. Um, We have some pins that Tracy Root made for us. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Tracy. They look awesome. Thank you very fucking much. awesome. Um, maybe if you're lucky, you can grab one. 
Stop by McCusker's, we'll get you one. Yeah, if you're in the Philadelphia area, stop on by. They're at the corner of 17th and Shunk, and chances are pretty good that you will see either Ryan or Doug there. Well, shit, chances are pretty good. You may see see all of us there. Sitting on the other side of the bar as well. We are. We're kicking around the idea, maybe doing a show. I would like that. I think it'd be fun. I think we should advertise it. We should get get people to show up, and we could just pick a topic where everybody can participate. Right on. So, if you would like to be part of this, or you like this idea, let us know. Yeah, shoot us a note, man. I, I think you know we'll give it a shot. See what's, what's the worst can beer, happen. Man. Yeah, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. It doesn't work. So. We already did that episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. Well, that's it. We'll be back in two weeks. Thanks for listening, guys. Keep on rocking. Peace out. Rock and roll!